Alright, get the fuck up. Straight Hustlin's back online. We got a new guest coming today. Bernard Wilson. Biscuit. Biscuit Bernard Wilson. Former NFL player, retired. Played with a few different teams. Arizona, Detroit, and Tampa Bay. So he's got a lot of experience and have a lot of cool things to talk about. It's a beautiful day out here at the headquarters. How y'all doing, Money Mike and Stu? Oh, I'm doing beautiful. I'm loving this morning. I got a slight hangover from a birthday party, but... Oh, I made it in. How about you, Stu? How you feeling, baby? Man, it's a good ride up here today. Uh, getting home after this is done today. Hit the motorcycle. Go yes. out and do some riding. Yeah, hopefully we can get out and do some riding. Hey, uh, uh, Dick, what kind of bike you got? A victory? I got a couple of victories. No oil in the garage. <laughs> on the floor. Oh, y'all want to talk what about What you got, Mike? Oh, I got a 1976 iron head with an oil slick about four foot wide <laughs> right underneath it, if you want to know. I need to get me some 10... 20W50 as we speak. <laughs> and charge that son of a bitch up so I can ride. Why don't you try using some rear end lube in it so that way it won't leak out as fast? Well, that's like a straight 80 oil, 80 90. Well, you know, what you said is leak as fast. You, you're, you need some anal lube so your ass don't leak as fast. Ooh, that doesn't sound good. We're going to try to. Tell your wife to give it back to me and we'll be straight then. We're going to try to make the Easy Rider show. They got an Easy Rider show and. Uh, Hendersonville, Tennessee, this weekend. We're going to try to hit that and check out some stuff there. Wear our straight hustling shirts, see if we can see anybody cool there. Some nice bikes. So uh, we'll get ready for Bernard Wilson. He'll be coming on next. Stand by. Hello. Hey, is this Bernard Wilson? This is he. Hey, man. How you doing? This is Dick Darren with Straight Hustling. I got uh, Money Mike and Stu here. Oh, yeah. Hey, what's up, Biscuit? Oh, uh, nothing. <laughs> Who is that? That's Mike Henniger back from Maplewood, baby. Oh, okay. I thought you was big time. You producing or something? Oh, no, man, no, hey, hey, I'm I'm small time, baby. You're the one big time. I don't know. Ain't nobody come out of Maplewood went further than you. I don't think, brother. Did you see that uh, video? Uh, that documentary they made about Maplewood? Yeah, yeah, I saw it. It made an it, it won an Emmy with for Vanderbilt or some shit. I don't know. Yeah, yep. I thought you know I I had no idea it had gotten that bad. <laughs> well, it wasn't that good when we went there. <laughs> You know, me being out here in Arizona. I've been there. I've only been to Arizona once. So you like it out there? Weather nice? Oh, man. It's, it's about 75 right now. It's going to push up to about 80 today. <laughs> no clouds in the sky. Nice little breeze. It's going to be like this all the way up until about May. Oh, good man. Lord. That'd be nice. That's not real good. That's <laughs> motorcycle weather. That's what we're praying for down here. Yeah, it's, a lot of people got bikes out here. But the only thing is, after May comes summer. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what you got to do. That's what run people off. But somehow here is hellacious. They always say that it's a dry heat. To me, a hundred eight's hot. I don't care if it's wet, dry, or whatever. Yeah, you, you put your put your oven on uh, like a hundred twenty on, <laughs> and then stick your head in it, and, and see how how long you can stand that dry heat in. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I've been out here long enough that it's it's cool you get used to it you, you know you know how to park the car in the shade and uh uh move around and never you know playing your day so you ain't in the thick of it but it only really gets bad really bad when it gets above 110 and it it never cools off you know because you know at, at 11 o'clock at night and it's still 100 degrees that's when it's bad oh yeah that sounds bad but we, we don't we really don't have to deal with that Probably about maybe a month or two. 
Now, 100 degrees at night, that just sucks, man. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, right? you can't escape it then, you yeah. know? Unless you're inside. There's no escape. You got to get in the pool. <laughs> <laughs> and the pool's probably hot. You know, like baby pee or something. Oh, the pool's all right, you know. It, it is what it is. That's why a lot of people out here got pools. And Sound like you're giving us an up. invite to come hang out your pool yeah. party. Uh, <laughs> here's the thing. I got all girls. <laughs> all right? And black women don't like getting their hair wet. <laughs> so I went through the pool thing for about you know, six years, and nobody ever got in it. So I was like, sure, don't put it up anymore. There's no one else win. So, uh, which uh, team was your favorite to play for? My favorite team to play for, I got two phone answers for you. Um, I really like the, the environment in Detroit, uh, playing for the Lions. You know, the guys are great. I like being in the city. Uh, it was, it was, it, that was a really good time for me. But as far as actually on the field playing, I really enjoy playing for Buddy Ryan. His, uh, um, his defensive system allowed me to do what I what I did best, you know, play the run. His his philosophy was we had to stop the run and force him to pass, and that's why his defense always did so well because he had um, a couple guys that he always kept at least one one good corner, and we had Aeneas Williams, who was just the uh, who was just uh, enshrined in the Hall of Fame. And we had a brilliant safety in Terry Hole, um, who was a uh, longtime Redskin and uh, winner of the Super Bowl. And he was super smart. That allowed that uh, that those, that front seven just get after it because they took care of the back end and uh, rarely did uh, people break our shell. And... Um, and you know he he was blitz happy anyway. I mean, Buddy Ryan he was blitz happy. So yeah, right. there were times there were times where you know in the middle of a game when uh, the team would you know throw us a wrinkle and we didn't know uh, we, we didn't plan for that. We would make up a blitz. I mean, it was like playing sandlot football. We would make up a blitz right there on the sideline, give it a name, and that it became part of our playbook. That's cool. Yeah, Buddy so, Buddy Ryan he was known for defense. Wasn't yeah. Best coaches for defense. Hey, how, said uh, you talked brought up the Super Bowl a second ago. How do you enjoy the last Super Bowl? I I enjoyed it. It was a great game. Yeah, that's uh, uh, it kind of reminded me of uh, Super Bowl thirty four when uh, when it came down to the Rams and uh, the Titans. And in my book, I think that was probably the best Super Bowl of all of them. It was it was a nail biter right to the end. And a lot of people have been giving the, uh, the Seahawks, you know, a lot of grief because of the play call. Uh, when I look at, when I, I, uh, went back and looked at a freeze frame of the, uh, defensive alignment and based on the uh, offensive personnel on the field, I think, uh, they made the right call. They don't give the, uh, kid Malcolm Butler enough credit for just making a hell of a yeah. play. Yeah, he made a hell of a play. That's, I, I don't know why everybody sits back and tries to second guess that stuff either, because they made made it to the Super Bowl making plays like that, you know, switching it up and doing things that no one would think you would ever, ever do, and executed those, and that's how you get to that, you know, to that level. Exactly. There. 
Well, you can live by the sword, die by the sword. Yeah, you know? Sometimes it works but, out, sometimes it doesn't. If he'd have made that catch and went in the end zone, everybody said, man, what an awesome play call. Yeah, I mean, nobody been going, that's the dumbest fucking call I've ever seen in my life. And that's all I've been hearing. And, you know, and I kind of almost agree because you got Marshawn Lynch back here. I mean, you got to run that. You know, I've, I've heard the conspiracy uh, theories. Uh, people have come up to me and, and told me they think that they didn't want uh, Marshawn Lynch to become the MVP because, you know, do you really want Marshawn Lynch going to Disneyland? I don't think that, I don't think that was the case at all. Uh, uh, <laughs> they you know, basically they were wanting, uh, Russell Wilson to be the, uh, MVP. Yeah. Hmm. And, and, you know, as far as character guy, he's, He's who you want. He, he, he's the guy that you want to be the face of the NFL. But the, the root of the business is winning games. Yeah. And, you know, ultimately you want to win. Now, personally, uh, I would have gone with a play action pass or some type of, uh, a sprint action. You know, roll Russell Wilson out, given the option to, to throw it or run it. You know, that way, if the, uh, if the pass is there, cause you're on the one yard line, yeah. just let them go ahead and sell out and, and die for it and let the chips fall where they may. Yeah, I would, uh, I would, I would like that better than throwing over the middle. But that guy made a hell of a play, Bullet. Oh, he did. You know, that, that interception that quick, he read him, and I mean, it was a, he threw a bullet in there and he just dogged on that ball. Yeah, he, he drove on it. Uh, he read the receiver when, when, um, the receiver planted his outside foot to uh, make his break. He um he sold out on it and jumped the route. Now, if that had been a a, a double route, you know, where you take inside and come back outside, he'd have been all by himself. Yeah. The kid just took a risk uh, and gambled on it, and um and it paid off. Yeah, it was exciting all the way to the end, that's for sure. Yeah. I was gonna. Talk to you about uh how how young were you when you first started playing football? I was five years old. I was playing for the Greymont Pirates. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, I think I think we practiced over at uh, Ewing Elementary School. Uh, it's our Brick Church fight. Yeah. Yep. We oh. were over there. Um, my coach's name was Bobby Jeanette and Frank Hutchinson. Uh, Frank was a uh, fireman and. Uh, Coach Jeanette, he was a uh, postman, and uh, cool. those were, that was my first introduction to the game, and those guys, two great guys, uh, really, really uh, fanned the flame of my passion for football because uh, they were patient, they were uh, they were smart. They understood the fundamentals of the game, and that's where they started to teach us at five years old. And not, not only that, they uh, uh, tried to teach us life lessons that early. And, that, and that's the good thing about uh, athletics and sports in general, that at a young age, you can start to introduce kids uh, to, to the, some of the tools that they're going to need to succeed in life. You know, hard, hard work. Mm-hmm. 
handling disappointment. You know, because um, even as an adult, you know, you can do everything correctly. You can do everything right. You can do everything that you're supposed to do and still not win. Oh, you're right. So, so what are you going to do? You're going you're gonna, to uh, pack your uh, pack your chin up and take your ball and go home? No, because we are game next week. You know, and I think that's one of the things that uh, this generation they lack it. Yeah. You know, they 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 sitting at home in front of the TV, and you know, if they start to lose, they turn the game off. They never they never have to deal, they never have to reckon with disappointment. They don't. They don't feel good about losing because they can always just turn the game off and hit reset and start over until they win. Yeah, but like, life ain't like life ain't like that. Yeah, it's like you know on field day. I remember when I was a kid. You know, you, uh, you the only people got a ribbon was first, second, and third. You know, everybody that participated didn't get one. You know what I mean? And now everybody, you're right. Everybody gets a ribbon. Everybody's a winner, and nobody's a loser. Nobody's better than anybody. You know, and that's horseshit. You know, and it, it yeah, is. we're all losers. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, at least, at least, at least three of us are. We all lose. It, uh, I, was, I was reading on uh, Facebook one time, and, you know, if you would make a movie of everyone's life, in the end, they all die. Yeah. So, you know, we all lose in the end. You know, it's how you handle the game. How much? How much of that do you think uh, is the role model aspect too, and not having the the role models to take the time to teach the kids nowadays? Like you had mentioned, your coaches and how they were patient and kind of taught you different things. And I think that's a big part of it. The kids today don't really have that uh, kind of the role models in their lives. You know, there, there's some coaches that are out there, especially on the on the pee wee level, uh, that that can kill a kid's passion for the game. Don't, not allowing them to have fun. At that, at that stage of, uh, you know, development, yeah, you want to win, but you want them to have fun. Yes. You want them to, to understand. You want to fuel their drive to, um, to improve. You're not a, a fan of Friday Night Tights, are you? I don't even know what that is. It's a it's a Pee Wee football TV show, and they got these coaches. They're so overbearing, you know, and they're yelling at these children. You know, I mean, these kids are you know five, six years old, like we was playing Pop Warner and Pee Wee. They're screaming at them and everything, like you know, like it happened in high school. You know, I mean, or you know, like you were at right. a bowl game in college. You know, you know, it's like I can't see how they, you know, any kid would want to grow up playing that game with that kind of coach. I just, I mean, if you, you check out yeah. that show, you'll, you'll you'll probably agree. And you know, if if that's a kid's understanding of what football is, they can grow to hate it. And and, yeah. and that and that kind of attitude, uh, you know, with a generation of, of athletes, you may, you're not going to see it now, but in 10, 15 years, you're going to see the quality of play in the NFL diminish because the athletes are going to, well, they'll go to other sports. They'll play basketball. They'll want to play baseball, but you know they want to do something else because football. They 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 see all the planning in their head. 
but that's not for me. What about when you were growing up? What positions did you play? You played different ones. I I played some. Matter of fact, when I was in college, in uh, in one game, I think uh, we were playing Murray, Kentucky. We were playing the uh, Murray State. I played offensive line and defensive line in, in the same game. We had some uh, personnel issues where uh, we were short and we had injuries and and all kinds of pro- problems on that trip where I had to uh, play offensive and defensive line um, in, in that game. And, and me not practicing with with the offense, I really didn't know what to do. So we had a senior uh, left tackle, his name was Barry Nixon. And uh, before we got to the line, he told me what to do. And uh, uh, we, we survived that game. I think we lost that game, but yeah, that was a rough one. I bet you were worn out. When we were little, oh, though, we played, we played Ironman football all the way up. I mean, I played offense and defense all the way up. Till, till high school. Yeah, high school is one thing, but when, when yeah. you play in college, that's a totally different animal. So, uh, you know, not coming off the field only on special teams and going right back. But, you know, I tell you what, that that did help me out uh, later on because when I was in Detroit my first year, I was on the practice squad. And what, what that means is uh, we don't play in games. Um, you know, they the coaches... Uh, see that you have some talent, and they want to develop that talent. So they put you on the practice squad, which means you're not a part of the uh, 53-man active roster, and uh, all you do is practice. So there, you know, there were a couple of guys who um, they were looking at, and uh, I knew that I didn't want to go back home. So uh, I, I don't remember how it happened. But I ended up running cards for uh, the offense as defensive lineman. And uh, when we switched periods, I would put on a, uh, a little red uh, penny or a little jersey, and I would run cards for the defense as a guard. And um, I went that way that, that year just doing that because I knew uh, that I didn't want to go back home and work with UPS again. <laughs> that was my saving grace. That that I, awesome. I was able to do that, and I added value to the team that way. Yeah, right. They got you in the door too. You know, I mean, you 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 hustled your way in. That's what you know. That's what we're all about here, trying to hustle. You know, and you hustled your way right in there instead of just you know giving up on it. Hard work. You know, you didn't give up that's on right. it. You kept on working hard, and they saw you know they took notice. I mean, that's what it's all about. It's all that hard work. It'll pay off eventually. You know. Yep. Well, you say your prayers and eat your vitamins, you know what I'm saying? You got to do it all right. right. If you don't do it all right, you know what I mean? They'll take notice of that, too, and get, get rid of you quick. Yep. Hey, man, talking about uh, Tennessee State University where you played at, they uh, scout you from high school and things like that, or how did you end up at They produced a lot of pro football players at TSU. I ended up at TSU. Um, my mom is an alum of TSU, and we went to um, – we would go to the TSU games when I was a kid. And, uh, you know, I would see players, uh, Richard Dent, even all the way back to the 70s when I was small, you know, they, they had to carry me out of there because I would fall asleep at the games. And uh, I just always had a passion for big blue football. Coming out of high school, I had been recruited and uh, different schools, Tulane, Miami of Ohio, a lot of places. Uh, they wanted to give me uh, recruiting trips. and 
I didn't take any of them. Kind of feel dumb now because it didn't, but only recruiting trip I took was TSU because I knew that's where I wanted to go. Hey, you had to go. And, uh, yeah, Bill Thomas recruited me. Uh, Coach Jesse James, um, who's passed on now, uh, he came to the house and, and, um, I signed on recruiting day and, uh, started my, started my journey as a Tiger. What was that, uh, what's the big difference between making that leap from college to NFL? That transition, what's that like? Oh, man. Um, well, you know, once, once you leave college, um, football in the, in the pros becomes a, your job. Uh, when you're in college, you know, you go to school from, you know, whatever time to 2 33 o'clock, then football starts. And you might have a 30 hall in between now or, or some weights in there somewhere. But, you know, there's other things. When you, when you hit, hit the league, you know, you wake up in the morning, sick, do you work out? You know, it's, it's a 24 hour proposition because now they take into account how much rest you're getting. They take into account what you're eating. Uh, they take into account, uh, how much you're studying. Um, that's why a lot of coaches have figured out that, uh, they start looking more at the player's grades. Uh, can he grasp all these concepts? Uh, I don't know if you, you paid attention to a lot of the, uh, defenses now. Um, it looks like chaos, but everyone, every gap seems to be filled every blitz. Oh, yeah, yeah all that backing up and moving over here. And yeah, I've, I've seen it. It does, you know, run around, you know, like pulling guards. They're friggin' pulling. Yeah. It's, it's, and they yeah. have an exact route where they're going. The other side of that is the offensive. Uh, they've gotten more complex, too, so the defense has to also to make up for it. Yeah, I mean, if you look at um, uh, Philadelphia and what they're doing with this this fast-paced uh, team that uh, that's moved up from college, I kind of think that we're on the, we're on the cutting edge of what you may see in the future. Uh, you know, they run, they go, what, 16, 18 seconds from play to play? Yeah. That's not a lot of time, you know, for you to make adjustments. They, they don't use the whole 40 seconds or 25 seconds. They're going right now. Yeah. And right. they, they, con- they offensively constantly apply pressure to a defensive and defensive coordinator and when you do that, that doesn't allow you a lot of time to think. You have to, it has to be a reflex. You know, when the doctor hits you on the knee, you don't have to think about kicking. It just happens. And defenses have to be more reflective when, when, you know, when you see something, you don't have time to think about it and read and figure out what's going on. You just got to react right now. Yeah, you got to be, uh, got to be a quick thinker. That's the way the game is evolving. You're going to see more teams doing more of that. I guarantee you. And I think I saw that, uh, you get an interception and score a touchdown in the pros. Yeah, well, that was in, uh, I think that was in 97. We were playing the, uh, the Eagles here in Phoenix. And, uh, matter of fact, I just saw Rodney Pete last week. He came in for the, uh, Super Bowl. He hosted the, uh, gospel celebration, the NFL gospel celebration. And, uh, uh, he was, uh, the quarterback for the Eagles at the time. Um, they, uh, <laughs> they were run, they were trying to run a screen on that particular play. Uh, Ricky Waters was the running back. And, you know, at that time they, they ran quite a few bit, you know, quite a few screens on the regular. 
So, you know, we were, we were kind of expecting, you know, one, maybe two screens a quarter. Uh, I think the, the guard let me go a little bit early, and when I saw Ricky Waters coming in my direction, didn't have the ball, but he didn't try to block me either. So on that play, you know, uh, offense, they don't just let defensive linemen go. You're going to be blocked every time the ball moves. So when nobody tried to block me, I immediately stopped my rush, and I started backing up. Now, I've heard people talk about, you know, things slowing down and going in slow motion, and, and before that moment, I've never experienced that before in my life. But I tell you, when I stopped and I looked up and I saw the ball in the air, <laughs> It was like everything went in slow motion. And I can distinctly remember my first thought. Don't drop it. I saw that ball. I caught it. And uh, as soon as I caught it, I uh, I looked down the field and I saw where the end zone was. It was, it was, six, it was 67 yards away. I was like, oh, God. Uh, I started running. And in practice, um, we, when the defense got a pick, we, and you know, and having fun, we would always toss the ball to Aeneas because he loved to run. So when I caught the ball and started running, I saw Aeneas coming up on my right side from the outside. I was gonna, I was gonna toss the ball to him. He put his finger up and said no and told me to run. <laughs> oh shit. You're a big fella, man. 67 yards is a long haul, brother. Yeah, for a 300 pounder, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> quite a hike. And, uh, you know, luckily it was a screen because all the people had started going downfield in the opposite direction. The only person that could have possibly tackled me was the quarterback. And, um, uh, Terry Irvin, uh, who was a McNeese State, was the outside linebacker. He took care of Rodney Pete, and I had a clear shot to the end zone. All right, that's pretty cool. So you didn't think about switching to like uh, cornerback or anything after that? Negative. <laughs> I bet you needed some yeah, oxygen there, Good yeah. lord. Yeah. Did you keep that ball? I do have it. All yeah. right, that's awesome, man. That's cool. Caught a touchdown in the pros. Yep. And matter of fact, that's a uh, that's a uh, Arizona Cardinal record. I think that I'm not sure if it's still standing for a defensive lineman. Um, I don't think any defensive lineman has ever put a, a pick back further. That's insane. That's maybe cool. Donnell Dockett has one. I'm not sure. When you're lined up against that other team, how much uh, trash talking goes on? Oh, uh, you know, it, it happens. <laughs> uh, you know, it, 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 it goes on. Uh, but, you know, when you got a bunch of alpha males in yeah. close proximity and they're competing at a high level, it's going to happen, you know, one way or another. I got a funny story about trash talk. When we were playing, uh, I was here with the Cardinals, and we were playing uh, the Patriots in Foxborough. And uh, I think it was, like, early in the second quarter. I don't know who did it, but somebody farted. <laughs> <laughs> it was the worst. I mean, it just lingered. It was like a, a fog. And we're, we're, I mean, the, the offense, they break the huddle. And, and, you know, we got our hands on the ground. And we're talking back and forth. They were like, did you do that? I was like, nah, <laughs> man, that was me. Yeah, that was, that was kind of that. 
<laughs> I guess so. I mean, that'd be one hell of a fart because y'all are out there at the football stadium. Yeah, well, this one didn't hit state. <laughs> and, and it was god off. Smell like the old Maplewood locker room? Good Lord, you remember that, don't you? Yeah. I, yeah, mean, I, remember, I mean, did you ever smell I anything? I, I, I was in the military and I've been in a lot of places, man. I never smelled nothing that smelled like that Maplewood locker room. Maplewood locker room was. It had its own character. It's it, it that it's that scent that that you remember. You know, when you're an old man and you've been a lot of places and you, and you sample a lot of smells, and you know that it, it don't quite, it don't quite cut it. it. As a matter of fact, that's the bar you said. If it smells worse than maple or lime room, you know it's bad. <laughs> it's very bad. Yeah, I mean, I, I I used to hate going down there just because of that it just you know. But you got used to it, you know. That's just one of the things you. I always remember that, you know, when it started smelling like shit around, I was I was getting ready to play something. Yep. Hey, is there anybody that uh, jabbered a lot, like to talk back and forth to your team or was on your team that kind of was kind of comical? You know what? A lot of that I don't really remember because I kind of kind of tuned a lot of things out. Uh, I was I was real focused. I kind of had a, a a job on, especially when playing for Buddy. That, uh, I was kind of a traffic cop for defensive front. Uh, I think that was one of my saving graces because I was, I was smart and I was able to keep, keep everything straight and, and have people going in the right place and lining up correctly, you know, based on formation and, and play. I really didn't have time to, to focus on a lot of what was going on as far as trash talk. Yeah. Do you ever get in the middle of one of them fumbles? They got the big pile on. Everybody's grabbing everybody. Oh yeah, yeah. I, there were some. There were times. That, you know, it's a lot of, a lot of bad things going on at the bottom of that scrum. <laughs> uh, uh, people, I remember that we had, we had a couple of players who were really good at pinching. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> and I mean, I mean, it was they would pinch, and the favorite place, uh, the guy that I'm thinking about, that inner thigh, that oh. inner thigh meat. He would get it and uh pinch and twist it and uh coming up out yeah, of he, Yeah, you know, kicking and screaming. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's a lot of that going on down there. What kind of stuff do you do for uh hobbies now? I I I pretty much stay busy all the time. Um I coached at uh junior college out here this past year. So pretty much the bulk of my day is <laughs> I don't really have time. Uh do things for myself. Um, I like woodworking. Um, I'm trying to start a garden in, in my in my uh, backyard. I remember my my dad, who still he still lives in Nashville. Uh, he's always had a garden, and uh, you know it's nothing like the uh, taste of some fresh vegetables, you know, right out of the garden. Oh yeah. Um, I like to cook. We know you like to eat, but you're a big boy, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I remember back in the day when you'd walk down the hall. I mean, teachers even got out of the way of your ass. <laughs> you know what? I, I, I wasn't a bully, though. No, but you were just big. I mean, you didn't have to be a bully. You were like a friggin', you know, a walking friggin' refrigerator. Nobody would mess with you. You know what? I really didn't start growing until, uh, I think I turned like 15. I was always, uh, you know, just regular, average, probably even small kid. Uh, it seemed like it was the summer between my eighth and, uh, ninth grade year, I guess, that, uh, 
that summer, I grew two shoe sizes. Yeah, that's when, I, mean, that's when I met you. It was, it was ninth grade when, when uh, you guys came over from Holland Heights. And I, I, I moved down here from Hendersonville. And I remember, I remember, you know, uh, seeing old Mitch Haney going there, and he had a full beard and a hairy chest yep. at 17 years old. And I was just like, yeah. this is not yeah, I people. He there. Huh? Yeah, I did too. I, I thought, thought he was, I thought he, I didn't, I thought he was a coach or something. This son of a bitch was a freaking player. I was like, good God. Yeah. You know, just got there and, and, and try to pick up what the coaches were, were telling you and, and do a good job. You know, cause, you know, we had some, uh, we had some stiff competition, you know, over, over at, uh, White Creek. They had, uh, Dave, David Sadler and, uh, you know, James Wade. Uh, at Stratford, they had, uh, Joe Campbell and, and Fleming. So, there was some, there was some pretty good, uh, athletes coming out of Nashville. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, uh, you know, and then, you know, uh, you remember old Bobby Scales and old David Suss, don't you? Uh, basketball. That yeah. was big. Yeah, hey, man. I just wanted to, I, I just talked to, uh, David the other day and we were talking about you. That good stuff, I hope. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey man, uh, I know you're coaching now. So, what do you tell like uh, younger kids? Any kind of advice that want to kind of you know have that dream to make it to the NFL? So few people make it, and they really got to be like you said, focused, driven. What do you give them kids advice that that's their dream? You know, that's I tell them that that's a good dream to have. Um, but don't let that dream lead you astray. Focus on what you got in front of you. Get your education. Get your degree. Uh, uh, this, you know, it's an opportunity to do something special for yourself and your family. Um, a lot of the guys, you know, they get, they get, uh, blinded by the light of, of the NFL shield, lose sight of, of what's right there in front of them. You know, you, you learn your job, you take care of your body, you give maximum effort 100% of the time. A lot of the, the JUCO players that, that I've coached, Especially, you know, defensive line wise, you know, they've gone on to other schools. I've, I've had one in Memphis, uh, uh, schools in Dakotas. And a lot of those players, they get concerned about, you know, I don't want, I want to go D1. I don't, I don't want to go to a NAI school or a small school, Division two. And I tried to explain to them, I was like, look here, the NFL, they have, a lot of scouts, and their job is to find talent. Now, it doesn't matter where you play. You just have to use the time that you got on the field to shine. So I played I play with two guys who didn't have college experience. Ray Fields, who was a, a longtime Steeler, and uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneer. He didn't play college ball. He played student folk. I played with Eric Swan out here in Arizona. Who was a uh, first round draft choice? He played for the Bay State Titans in Carolina. No college experience, so it doesn't matter where you go to school. It's what you do when they turn the cameras on that matters. So you know, not, try not to worry about the wrong thing here. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Hey, man, we got this thing yeah. we call the hustling round, where we ask a bunch of quick questions, and you kind of tell us uh, this whatever pops in your head. You want to do that with us? Go. All right. Lions, Buccaneers, or Cardinals? Or Bears? <laughs> you say Cardinals? Yep. Uh, favorite defensive player ever? Leonard Marshall. 
What about your? You got a favorite offensive player? You not like any of those? Uh, I like watching Barry Sanders. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I was gonna ask you, Barry Sanders or Walter Payton? But like, <laughs> now we know. Barry Sanders. What kind of? What's their favorite food? Do you like to eat? I like beef. Yeah. Whether 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 it comes in in hamburger or or steak form, doesn't matter. <laughs> Yeah, will the Titans ever have a winning season again? <laughs> well, the law of averages say that they will, so I must say they will. Uh, you know, you guys have Wisdom Hunt now. He was here. He took the uh, Cardinals to the Super Bowl. Um, mind you, keep, just keep in mind now that he was playing with Dennis Green's players. Just yeah, like uh, when, Gru- when Gruden took the Buccaneers to the Super Bowl, he was playing with Dungeon's players. Right. Well, we're hoping that hopefully he can do something to turn it around. They need all yeah, the help they can get. I mean, I don't, I'm not, I'm not even thinking Super Bowl. I'm just thinking, you know, can we get a 50-50 season going? <laughs> you know what I mean? Can I, I freaking cheer one time on Sunday and, and not get it not go bad? Can we somehow get Stu on the practice squad? <laughs> yeah. I need yeah. some, I need some advice from what they're paying the practice squad. Uh, I could retire three times and pretty quick. Yeah, but we're too old and fat. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take a hit. Out of shape. You know what I'm saying? Hey, take, you can't take no hits. No NFL player. You, you, would, you would die. Like a car wreck. Yeah. yeah. Take two hits at once and hit me and hit the ground. Yeah. Cart me out. I'm done. We would die. All right, Bernard. What about, this one's a tough one, man. What's your favorite podcast out of Nashville? Great Hustling Show. Ah, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> well, that's, man, that's, that's, a, that's what you uh, changed the name to. Hustling in the field. <laughs> Right. That? That's, that's great, that's man. That's beautiful, Bernard, man. It's good to talk to you, Biscuit. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. And good luck to your uh, coaching team, man. seems like you had a really good head on your shoulders, and the uh, kids uh, gain a lot of uh, knowledge and stuff from what you're teaching. sounds really good, man. Yep, just make sure those kids stay in school. That's right. No, that's right. All right. Well, I appreciate it, man, and uh, maybe we'll talk to you again sometime. And... All right. You can call me anytime. Take All care, right. man. Take it easy. All right. I hope. All right. Another awesome show. Bernard Wilson, native Tennessee from Tennessee State University, Maplewood. Up to no good. Uh, yeah, that was a good show, man. That's a inspiration to little kids everywhere wanting to play uh, football. And then looks like he's doing an awesome job with his coaching career, bringing these young kids up. There'll be a lot of good talent coming up. And uh, tell them who we got coming up next, Mike. Oh, man, straighthustling.com is shaking things up. We're bringing in legendary rocker Eddie Money. Uh, we're all excited about that. We're we're beside ourselves. We don't even know what to do. We did it again. Oh yeah, knocking it out of the park. What? We got a funny motherfucker, Redbone, coming on, and then Steve Mudflap McGrew. If you've got a name like Mudflap, you've got to be funny. Thanks for hitting us up on iTunes and everything, people. But if you got questions, please leave them in our comment section. And with all our freaking website stuff, just here's Stu, man. Here here he goes, the website manager. Yeah. Yeah, I'll be sure to check us out on straighthustling.com. That's S-T-R, the number 8, H-U-S-T-L-I-N.com. Hey, be sure you hit up our social media on there. Uh, we're on uh, uh, Facebook, Twitter. Yeah, that's it. Every, we're every on day every freaking thing that you can possibly click a button on. And be, click hey, it. Be sure when y'all go to iTunes, which y'all have done a great job. Uh, we've been one of the new and noteworthy uh, podcasts. Great job, everybody. Appreciate you downloading us. Keep on doing it. Titty shot. T-shirt. Be sure you hit us up on Stitcher if you're a Android person. And uh, don't forget, leave comments.
All right, we want to thank you for listening again. You ain't hustling, you ain't living. Tell your friends about us. We're out. Peace.